Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Tom and Terry here with Dr. Maureen Hughes. Welcome to another episode of the Metaphysical Mysteries. And as many of you know, we, we try to cover a whole list of, of topics. Uh, one of the things is about the, the healing arts and some of the more unique healing aspects that uh, are out there. And um, Maureen, uh, uh, we've known each other for a while, and I know you've got a ton of uh, you know history and, and, and research and you know with some of the Eastern culture and certain kinds of uh, healing techniques that I think our audience would be fascinated to hear. So I'm gonna turn it over to you and let you kind of do your own introduction uh, and whatever you wanna share is awesome. All right, great. Well, my foray into the healing arts was actually um, taking Aikido classes. So to give you a little bit of a background, I'm from Northwest Indiana. I grew up in a family that didn't know that like chiropractic existed. It was quackery, you know. I was a crazy little kid running around, getting injured all the time, and I never really realized like how much pain I was in, okay? Hindsight's 2020. So I was a precocious child and my parents were like, oh, she's really smart. She's got to be a doctor. We want her to be an MD. What kind of MD do you want to be? What does this drug do? What does that drug do? Like I would get quizzed all the time. And so after I graduated high school, I ended up going to college and studying biology. Um, I was in the honors program at Loyola and that gave me the advantage of basically picking and choosing all the classes that I wanted first before everyone else, which was um, a great feeling. So about halfway through uh, my first year, I was like, hmm, maybe I want to major in psychology. And I went to my advisor and he was like, oh yeah, do what you want. I'm like, oh yeah, this is not going to work. Like an advisor is supposed to advise you. So I ended up picking like this really tough guy <laughs> to become my advisor. And he's like, well, I'm not going to put you on the easy path. <clears throat> and I said, good. So I ended up, you know, taking some graduate level classes and doing research for three years, both in molecular genetics and in um, physical chemistry. So uh, don't have to go through all that, but my research background is extensive. And I took a medical ethics class my junior year of college. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to be an MD, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't really know how that was going to manifest. And I'm like, well, I'm interested in this and that in research and biology. And I was like a freak about DNA. Like I totally loved it. So I ended up applying to a bunch of graduate schools and ended up down in St. Louis in 1997. And while I was in St. Louis, <clears throat> a couple things happened to me. So I was living alone basically for the first time in my life because college is different. Um, and I met this woman who was like, Maureen, you are so stressed out. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know, because when you're like a super type A personality and especially, you know, I grew up with kind of like a traumatic background with, um, you know, my family, I don't want to go into too many details, but needless to say, like I was an overachiever because of all of that. So I had been doing Aikido for a while. I really loved doing that. I ended up getting injured really badly. This woman's like, you need to do yoga. And I was like, okay, fine. Changed my life. Okay. Sometime around the age of 24, I had some kind of awakening. All right. And I just remember it was after a particularly intense 
workout in the yoga class and I'm laying there on the mat and I'm looking up at the ceiling because I, I couldn't close my eyes. Um, you know, Shavasana wasn't a safe place for me and my body, but I remember looking up at the ceiling and seeing like these waves, like I was on the ocean floor or something like that. And there were these waves. And previous to that moment, I was an atheist. And in that moment, I knew that there was more than what science could explain. And that was my like big aha moment. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, I believe in God, <laughs> like there's definitely something more. And that was also a moment where my body woke up. So before that, I would be able to do all this stuff in class and like, I didn't feel any pain at all. And then all of a sudden my body woke up with immense pain and I didn't know what to do about it because as a kid, you know, it was like, oh, take an Advil, you know, oh, take an aspirin, oh, take a Tylenol, no big deal. Um, and I, and I was doing that, but it got to a level where like, I knew I could never take opiates because of addictive tendencies in our family, um, but I had to do something. And there was a moment where I was in so much pain, like, you know, I could have been that person who ended up in the wheelchair for the rest of my life. Um, but instead I ended up going through physical therapy and rebuilding my body. Now, then after things were progressing in my body and, you know, the double sciatica I had like started going away because of yoga, I started practicing Iyengar yoga on a regular basis. Kind of yoga is. <clears throat> so yoga is an ancient Eastern East Indian discipline. Okay. And yoga literally means to yoke or to unite. Now, if you think about the olden days where an oxen would pull the plow or the cart or whatever, like the oxen and the cart or the plow unite for a purpose. All right. So when a human practices yoga or yoking, the idea is to create a connection between the mind, the body and the spirit. And that also includes the emotional body, the mental body, the physical body. And then once all of that comes together, then one becomes connected to God. Let me back up for a second, because you said something interesting. I, I like to, before I forget it, yeah. um, you said you, you had this awakening and you looked up, it was like waves going across and so forth. Um, from a maybe scientific point of view, um, more than an experiential point of view, what do you what do you think actually happens when? Because everybody ha describes their awakening in a slightly different way. What do you think actually happens when we have one of those awakening moments? <laughs> you know, neuroscience attempts to tell us that neurotransmitters control our thoughts. Um, in that moment, I felt like there was just something more than, than what could be explainable. I was kind of, I started studying the chakras when I was around 14 years old. I had gotten this book uh, at a garage sale. And then I'll stop for a second. And for those listeners that are listening, they say chakras. It's a fairly common term in the, I'll call it the woo-woo world in America. <laughs> yeah. But it is uh, maybe uncommon to some of them. But what they're talking about generally is energy centers that have been scientifically identified in the body. And there's seven, technically there's 12, but seven that we typically use. Um, and so when she's talking about chakras, she's talking about those energy centers. So 
go ahead. I hate to interrupt you, but I just want to make sure some of our listeners are following. No, that's okay. So like my, my influence in the unknown esoteric Eastern occult sciences happened when I was around 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of put it away. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that's interesting. Put it away, learn about the real tangible world, learn about discovery, Um, work, 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 right? So one day I'm sitting in the lab um, and I'm typing, do, 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 do. And all of a sudden it's like Maureen. And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Your job is to put East and West together. And I'm like, what? So this was like, I was around 26 at the time. And I was just like, all right, East and West together. I'm being a scientist. I'm teaching yoga. I'm, you know, whatever the next step is, who knows? I stayed in a more mm, physically tangible world for a really long time. And, and the work that I do now is also quite physically tangible with the body work that I do. Um, but the energy is so obviously more there now than it was, you know, when I met you actually, Terry, I mean, I was traveling around selling biotechnology, you know, I had nothing to do with esoteric sciences, except maybe I had some past experiences like teaching yoga and things of that nature. So that, that whole thing of like, what was that? Um, I have almost drowned in my life before. So when I was a little kid, I um, went on a slide and I went into the pool and I guess just like the angle of which like I got into the pool, like just forced water in my mouth and in my nose. And I was around five years old. And then all of a sudden there and there at the bottom of the pool, I can't do anything. I'm heavy, you know, like I didn't even think to move my arms or anything like that. I was just under the water. And my mom's best friend like came and saved me, thank goodness. And then I coughed along up and then I ate some nachos um, and I was fine. But I think part of that was manifested in that um, moment of aha. Okay. You know, I'm, I've, I'm very blessed to be alive. I feel like I'm on life number five right now <laughs> of the nine that I get in this lifetime. So, um, but that's neither here nor there. So the experience of energy and things that are unexplainable, like there's a couple ways that you can approach it. You can be afraid of it and say, no, that's not real. Or you can say, well, something just happened and maybe I need to talk to someone who might know something more about this. So, okay. So you, you go through this and, you know, a lot of times water is thought of as spirit too in, in the woo-woo world. Um, and so when people see you have a water experience, I often ask them if, you know, does it feel like that was spirit you've been immersed in, something of that effect. And some say yes, some th- hadn't thought of it. And um, then in your case, going back to a, a traumatizing situation um, that came through at that point. So pretty interesting stuff. I, I love to hear that because everybody has slightly different awakening. Um, and some people might go through their whole life and never have one. Uh, but if you do have one, you always remember it. It's one of those changing life points or what I call an anchor point. And you remember that day, that time and what exactly happened to you over and over again. And your life just takes that pathway and shoots off in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
So, so what well, do you do? What do you? I'm sorry, you can follow up on that or whatever you're doing now. Um, so one thing that just popped into my mind was okay. So in yoga, it's actually a conglomeration of eight things. It's not just like exercises that we do. That's actually like the third thing in yoga. So in the Eightfold Path of Yoga, the idea is yama, which is be good to self, niyama, which is be good to others. And there's other, you know, breakdowns as to explanations of how you're supposed to be good to yourself and how you're supposed to be good to others. And then there's the asana, which is the physical exercises, which is what I was practicing and I've been teaching, you know, for about 18 years now. Then there's pranayama, which is the practice of breath and breath science and using the breath to, well, basically help control the mind. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Because, because you know, then there's... Absolutely. And, and, you know, in many sports, they do that very same thing. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, when they practice um, breath control. So I think the Western people, us, um, have adopted some of those techniques, never knowing there was an, an actual Eastern philosophy. And this was out there thousands of years ago. And maybe that's due to past lives. We just kind of remember it. Uh, mm -hmm. Soul, soul instinct. Um, but yeah, breath control in, in sports, Olympic people, visualization, using breathing, uh, very, uh, very prominent out there. But we don't think of it as something, um, you know, esoteric. So well, it, it shouldn't be esoteric, but unfortunately, the concept of breathing isn't on top of mind for the majority of people on this planet. Um, and that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because if we started teaching breathing exercises and breath control to young people and have that a part as like phys of physical education, mm -hmm that could really change the way that children manifest their emotions. Yeah, I know there is a, a, a number of schools, grade schools and, and on up uh, that has started using yoga. I know that there's also been the, the controversy uh, has come probably from the more fundamentalist Christians that that's some kind of a, uh, you know, a devil worship or whatever. It's, or it's something that's nasty and against the church. Um, but I think, you know, I wrote a piece on yoga some time ago, but what I find in America, it tends to be, from my experience anyway, uh, feminine females tend to get into this a little more than and men get drug along <laughs> for whatever reason. And then they, some of them eventually get into it and they, you know, they're good at it and everything, but it seems to be a female oriented thing for the majority, you know, at this time. But, uh, but I think in schools, uh, the ones that have done it, their uh, discipline issues have dropped. The stress on the kids has dropped dramatically because if they're being taught correctly, it's really working out. And I don't know, Tommy, you're a clinician. I don't know if that's something you've ever seen either. I haven't seen it taught in the schools, but I mean, within the first responder and military communities, this is taught. Um, and the uh, science is emerging that it's a, you know, a parasympathetic response to the vagal nerve stimulation with the proper breathing techniques. And in today's world, with all the stress that people are under, for a variety of reasons, it's a pretty inexpensive, easy way to try to help get things under control for folks. Yeah, you know, I was just talking to a, a friend who's a, a dental hygienist, and she works for a periodontist, and they said they had, this is interesting, this year, cracked teeth and the like, yep. five times higher than the average year this year. 
they direct it to COVID and all the stress that comes to it. They think people are like grinding at night or clenching at night from stress. And so what you're teaching, this would be very, extremely helpful while people are, and I know you do some Zoom stuff, um, you know, with people to help them at home and so forth. And it's probably going to be the coming thing for a, a good while, but uh, that could be extremely helpful in those kinds of situations. Absolutely. You know, and there's so many lines of thought that I have going on right now, which we can get back to or not. Um, yesterday, I actually spoke with a young man who's created an interesting platform for people who want to teach athletic online, you know, weights or, you know, quick burn this kind of exercises or yoga, you know, breathing is one of those things that can be taught as well. And it's definitely the direction that we're going. The reach is amazing with what we can do online, you know? And um, so where to go? Cause like when you said something about the thought in the Christian community that, you know, yoga was some kind of evil thing from the devil. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking about this obviously for a really long time because I had to reconcile a lot of the upbringing I had, uh, well, they, they tried to raise me Catholic, <laughs> but the reality was that um, I eschewed Catholicism as a very young person because my Sunday school teacher said to me that Jesus Christ was the only son of God. And I was like, well, like, uh, I'm a child of God, am I not? Right. And it just went in my mind, like, how can only one person have a direct connection to God? And that's where the yoga comes in, because what yoga teaches people is that they have the ability to tap into, well, whatever it is, you know, some people call it God, some people call it the universe, some people call it spirit. Some people think that there are multiple gods. You know, the reality is that the energy of the divine is something that anybody can tap into. I don't think the English language is capable of actually explaining God in three letters. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I think that uh, people do get hung up on the language barrier. You know, even, I mean, or like we say Reiki. Well, they go, oh my God, it's a devil. Well, Reiki's really just talking about God energy. Uh, but it, that's English version and one's Japanese. And so we tend to only know what we know. And and, and they, uh, that really throws people off at times. Uh, and we even use breathing because I'm, I'm a Reiki master, as you know, and uh, we use breathing techniques and some of the more advanced Reiki techniques, which, which helps generate energy that you're trying to, uh, you know, let flow through somebody. So yeah, so go, ahead, go right ahead. Great. Yeah. So, and, and it is that flow. Um, my, uh, my teacher down in Florida, uh, Dr. Anthony James, he runs the Soma Veda College of Natural Medicine. In his massage videos that I present in class, but anyone can purchase on Amazon, um, there's a, a beautiful um, montage of, of a person and he talks about the chakras, the seven energy centers. And he talks about the ones that helps bring in the energy from up top and then brings in and up the energy from the earth and how this all manifests at the heart. 
Yes. Now with Reiki, as you know, as a practitioner, and I don't know, um, Tom, if you are a practitioner, I've been a Reiki master for about five years now. Um, it's that transmission and the transmutation of the energy either in person or in space-time, right? right? That a Reiki master hopes to um, be able to offer, you know? And, and sometimes like, you gotta know that you wanna become a Reiki master. I mean, I was a level one, two for many years. Like I got attuned, like in 2005, I got my one. In 2006, I got my two. And then I sat on it for a really long time until I went through massage school because then it became evident to me that while I've never taught a Reiki class, like that different level of um, experience and transmission and understanding, um, it, it really means a lot to be able to do those active attunements if you want, or just to turn it on and let it flow while I'm working on, on people. And even when I'm teaching yoga, you know, whether it's on a screen or in person, it's like I, I now feel everybody in the room, like I feel F-I-E-L-D, everyone in the room. I like field their energy fields mm -hmm. um, while I'm teaching because I want every student in there to be able to do like 85%. Right. You know, like a B plus, <laughs> like a B plus I think makes people feel good about themselves. You know, it means that they are, you know, able to achieve more. You know, when a person is in a class and they're like, you know, 50% they can do and 50% they can't do, oh, that's so disheartening to them. They feel like they're failing. They feel like they don't belong. And so, you know, when I teach, again, it's, it's not about me, it's about them. Right. Now, if I just start doing yoga videos online, and I don't, I can't, I don't have an opportunity to field a person's energy if they're watching like a pre-recorded video, then I may not be for them. Right. You know, my classes may be too challenging for them. My classes may be too easy for them because if a person's at like, oh, I can do a hundred percent of this and it's nothing, then it's not physically engaging to them. But then sometimes it's important to have them understand that it's time for them to do the mental work. Right. You know, and because, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say with that energy transfer that you were talking about, and I know yoga helps build that up, you know, and brings it up and get some real connection there. But um, I went into a, an office complex and the office manager, she was standing behind a counter and she, I said, Well, how are you feeling today? And she goes, oh, Just awful. She goes, Yeah, my tummy hurts. And I'm just, oh, just she's like, like this. And I stood there for about 10 to 15 seconds, I said, now, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh my God, she goes, my tummy, it's all good. She goes, what did you do? And I said, that's called shadow of Peter. So to relate that to a Christian, because I'm a minister too, of course, mm -hmm. to relate that to a Christian thing so they can understand the shadow of Peter was, you know, after Jesus died, the apostles were all empowered, you know, by the Holy Spirit, which is Really, you're talking about opening the Kundalini energy, you know, it's what really we're talking about, um, but however you want to name it. But people would try to get in his shadow because when they were in his shadow, they would be healed. Oh. So that's called the shadow of Peter. And, and truly, um, interesting enough, that's in there and people don't 
put the two together, but that's my job. So put the, the whole Christian thing or Jewish thing or whatever, even Hindu, I had to study all those religions and then try to put them together with this lingo. To go, oh, is that what that means? Yes, that's what that means. So don't get hung up on that. But really what you're doing there, and you could call it Reiki, you're just projecting Reiki energy into this person standing next to you, or you're radiating so much energy that literally they're picking it up. And the story in the Bible is the, the woman who had the bleeding problem, which she you know ran and touched the cloak of Jesus. And he turned around and said, who took the you know, power from me? You know, who took power out of me? You know, that kind of thing. So she touched the cloth and within that was that whole auric field and that energy and she wanted it. And she, by her own faith, he said, you've healed yourself because she pulled that out because she wanted it. So I just want to kind of make that relationship known so that our listeners and viewers can can kind of get a picture of, yes, this is documented in, in more uh, biblical sources also, but it's kind of cloaked in mystery. And so then we go to what you're talking about, they're going to hear it in a different way, still absolutely accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cloaked in mystery and esoteric, I feel is um, a great synonym of yeah. one another. Um, that which is difficult to know. Um, my most of my clientele at this point, you know, post COVID, like the ones who continue on with my work and trust me and have faith that the COVID isn't going to get them through the information that I give them about nutrition and then moving their energy and the body work and this and that, like they don't have a strong concept of how to move the Reiki energy for themselves. Mm -hmm. They just know that they feel it. They just know that they feel good when they're done working with me. They just feel good when they're done being around me. You know, when I teach a yoga class, yeah, their work and physical exercises will create physiological changes that are obvious that can include the elevation of mood, right? But then there's that something little extra that I do. Um, what my physical therapist who helped me through my knee surgery two and a half years ago is a Qigong and Tai Chi master. Wanna, so I got to experience. Explain, explain those two so people know what you're talking about. Sure. So Qigong and Tai Chi are um, Chinese medicine forms. So Tai Chi is a physical discipline that when you do quickly, it's like Kung Fu. So it's all these movements that could potentially be deadly, but they're done in a very slow, controlled way to help build strength and energy and vitality in the body. And people might see that on TV where a bunch of people are out in, in a park going really slowly, moving through these different katas um, or movements. It's predetermined pre movements. Yeah, so that's what they're talking about. Yes. And, and the next one? Well, and then Qigong is the energy medicine of China, and it does include some exercises to help build what they call the qi. It's uh, spelled Q-I, but it said qi, and it also can be used like Reiki is used with using the hands and other aspects of the body and spirit to direct healing energy into a person. Because Reiki, the K-I, is the Japanese version of Chi. Exactly. And if you're in different martial arts, you'll hear about using your Chi force to like break boards and do things like that. The same energy is what we're talking about. And, and I think the, the reason we have access to the energy is because obviously you're a spirit in a body. You're having that whole physical experience. And so, but what you truly are is a energetic spirit. So you're tapping into what you truly are, what's available to you universally 
to everybody. And it's free. That's the best part. So learn yeah. how to get to it. It might cost you a little bit, but, but it is free once you figure it out. Yeah, it definitely takes time to cultivate it and having teachers and um, a trained mind is, is very helpful. Um, when I first started practicing yoga years ago, I didn't really understand the concept of a disciplined mind. It was like my mind had to be so disciplined anyway because I did well in school and, you know, did all the hoops that I needed to go through to get my straight A's and all that kind of stuff. Um, but having a trained mind is, is very different um, when you're looking at the physical arts because, um, well, when you're working with the, um, with the intellectual mind, there is also that opportunity for failure, you know, and you, you have to persist in order to um, then move forward and achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. I mean, giving up is easy, um, but it's generally not the best idea if you want to be able to have a good life. Right. Um, but then physically, like there were those moments, like when I was in Aikido, I remember doing a backward roll. Oh my gosh, breaking down in tears and frustration because I could not make my body do what I wanted it to do. Like I, I would visualize it and I would see it in my mind, but it was like clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> <laughs> roll over this way. Oh, you know, you want to scream and yell, but you're in the middle of the dojo. So you can't do that, you know? And then unfortunately it gets internalized. Right. You know, and what I wish I would have known then that I know more so now is like, it's, it's okay. It's all right. Don't hurt yourself, <laughs> especially don't mentally hurt yourself with unkind words. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, you talked about focus and, you know, in today's climate in America, you know, we police officers are taking the brunt. They're a very focused group. You know, they go through a, a basic training, you know, academy training, plus all the college and everything you have to have to, and they repeat and repeat and repeat defensive tactics, methods and so forth and de-escalation techniques, everything everybody's talking about, they're already doing and they're doing it quite well. Military, like SEAL teams, same thing. Very disciplined minds, firefighters, very disciplined minds, paramedics, very disciplined minds. Anybody who's in that whole public safety realm, and I use martial arts as including in that because, you know, I was a boxer in, in addition to some karate stuff. But, and you have to be extremely disciplined and you have to remain very calm on the inside while chaos is going on in the outside. Mm -hmm. Tom, Tom works with uh, PTSD. Uh, you know, firefighters, police officers, military, and I don't you find that that's where they get a little off track there. Their, their, their focus needs to be reset a little bit. Yeah, sometimes they're so strict in their mindset that they don't allow for movement and, you know, healing, whatever mm -hmm. that be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Very good. Coach them through it and open that door as a possibility so they can walk through it. So yeah. Yeah, and, and making people feel safe is very important. Um, when I teach, I have two, two yoga classes um, on Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Time. While I'm in Florida, I may not be able to broadcast because I don't know what my quality of my internet's gonna be. So in December, I plan to resume. However, 
like this is what I call my relaxing yoga class. It is a sloga class. And actually one of my students in Indianapolis, he, um, he, he calls it my or not class because I'll say, okay, reach for your leg, grab onto the ankle or the foot. But if that doesn't feel good, that's okay. Here are some other ways that you can get this stretch. You know, maybe you need a belt, maybe you need this, but most importantly, just breathe. It's okay if you can't do it in this moment. Don't hurt yourself while you're trying. Right. So I think that would have a wide application because I joke about myself. I can get into the position, but I'm not going to get out of it. <laughs> and, sounds like a great way to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you'll have to try one of my uh, slogan classes online sometime. They're donation based. Like, really, I just started it during COVID as a service because I knew so many people out there just needed some help. And, you know, gratefully, people have, you know, sent me some money through PayPal or Venmo or whatever. But that was not my intention. I was just like Tuesday and Thursday evening, 6 p.m., free class. Pay me if you want. If you find a value and want to help me, go for it. Um, but it, I get I benefit from it as well because it's a forty-five minute practice, and we just stretch and we don't even get up off the floor. We do no no balance poses, no standing poses. You know, a lot of my clients have like double knee replacement, okay, shoulder surgeries, back fusions, neck fusions. You know, people who have been really injured and, um, you know, and because of those injuries, you can dissociate from your body. Absolutely. So good. And, we wouldn't get off the ground anyway. If you told us to, we would still be laying down. There. I was thinking, this like is a big blob. Us, man. finally, they found something we can do. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if I got a beer in this hand, a Twinkie in this hand, I'll probably be okay. I could probably do that. <laughs> Well, that's, 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 that's for after the yoga. And what's so weird is, okay, like I started teaching yoga in my twenties, right. And I feel better and younger now in my mid forties than I did in my late twenties, but I completely attribute to that, to my change in diet. So I would be that girl who went and taught two evening yoga classes, like one at 4.30 and then one at six or something like that. And then go through the McDonald's drive-through because I was so broke. Like that was all I could afford. And I thought that was food. <laughs> you know, my mindset changed a lot surrounding that. Um, gosh, when I started doing sales, you know, I were, I gave up a lot of what I wanted to do in the wellness industry um, for the cause of unfortunately greed. And when, when like you wake up and you're like, I want to help people, like I want to be a service to society. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm $40,000 in debt, including credit cards and uh, educational loans. The educational loans never go away, right? The credit card debt you know, I could have declared bankruptcy, but I just wouldn't feel good with, you know, that's, it's energy, you know, and that also follows you the rest of your life. So, you know, I ended up biting the bullet and then I ended up getting a job in biotechnology sales and stepping away from wellness for a really long time. And it really impacted my energy, my behaviors, 
you know, um, with my past traumas, like I ended up being very unkind to myself for a long time because I shifted into greed, mm-hmm. which is one of the seven deadly sins right. and, um, pride which is another one of the seven deadly sins. Might as well hit them all while you're doing it. Well, really, you know, you feel like, oh, well, this person has that. That's jealousy, right? You know, and then the way I treated my body was, again, just very unkind. I don't need to go into specifics. Um, But then there was that moment where, like, I reached the bottom. I seriously reached the bottom. That was in uh, late 2013. I was like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm crying. I... I had given my thousandth presentation. I was at Procter and Gamble and I turned and looked at the audience because I forgot where I was. Yeah. And that's not good. Right. And that was that moment where I gave my two weeks notice and said, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but it's not this. Not this. Yeah. I think it goes, when people ask me a lot of times, what's the difference between, you know, good and evil? And I said, it's simple selflessness versus selfishness that's it really if you evaluate each of those things on what you're doing at the moment you'll know if it was specifically for yourself or if it was for others yeah the more selflessness you can do the better and you know the ancient egyptians they used to have that scale you know where when you die they put your heart in one side and a feather in the other and the feather was supposed to be heavier Oh, <laughs> and so you know that's the lightness that you're supposed to get to bring to the world, and that comes from selflessness. Mm-hmm. And the energy comes out of the heart. So they use that. Yeah. Are you giving giving good energy to people and and making the world lighter? Well, this is a perfect segue into what I do now. Yeah, you said soma veda. Yes. So it is soma veda. So say it anyways. Shut up. <laughs> so simply spoken, Soma Veda is a brand. Okay. Okay. It was created by Dr. Anthony James. And what he has done is simplified a way for people who want to heal with their hands using a traditional method of hands-on healing from Thailand called Nuat Panboran Thai, the old way of healing with the hands. That's common spelling, Tommy. I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) N-U-A-T-P-H-A-E-N-B-O-R-A-N-T-H-A-I, four words. I'd love to say that with a Boston accent, but I can't repeat that. (laughs) (laughs) I would try, but I would probably fail halfway through, so... (laughs) So anyway, he has put together a system where people learn a short session, which is an introductory session, which is 19 different poses, and then a longer session, which is 51 different poses, but then put all together, it's in seven different days. Hmm. So the traditional way of Thai, um, in the Southern style. So there are schools in Bangkok and then there are schools in Northern Thailand, which are based on the the tribe people. So the Southern school is associated with the hospitals and treatment of the Royal family. 
And you don't just treat the royal family in any specific way. Like you are very formal and you have a very good idea of a sense of space, right? Whereas in the Northern style, all these people are family, you know? And they step on each other and they elbow each other and they lay on each other and they basically kick each other and, you know, hit them with things in order to remove the pains. You don't treat the king of Thailand like that, okay? So what, what Dr. J did was basically put a little bit of Northern and put a little bit of Southern into this introductory treatment where a person lies down on the floor, they're worked in five different positions, they start on their back, they move on to one side, move on to the second side, are then turned over on their belly, turn back over into supine two and then into seated position. And each treatment is also an assessment. So the simple treatment, which is 19 moves long, assesses where a person is in their body on a lot of levels. So give me an example of something that you might treat. I mean, I know, you know, broken bone or not broken bones, but you know, joints and so forth. Is there anything that you might treat that people would go, really? That's what you'd treat? You know, something that they wouldn't possibly dream of in a, in a like a, a Thai massage kind of scenario. Sure. Um, well, I'm a minister also, just so you know, because the, the School of Soma Veda is associated with the Native American Indigenous Church, of which I am a lay minister. And I treat the whole body of the client with my whole body and soul, like every single piece of information and sense and feeling, you know, like I have all rights and purposes to help a person with food and their emotions and the physical body. I am also a licensed massage therapist. um, And I'm glad I did that schooling. It helped me transform who I am in in many ways. It was a beautiful experience. Um, But as a licensed massage therapist, I legally can't talk to people about food. And food is a very large part of how a person can heal their body. So to get back to your question about what can I treat, I can treat everything, literally everything. Now, some of the people I have treated, um, so one gentleman I worked with um, had had an aneurysm and his his caretaker, his wife was not a very nice person and refused to take him to physical therapy for three years. She died and then I ended up getting hired, okay? And his arm, when I first started working with him was frozen like this. And I worked with him for about four months. And one of the biggest achievements that we had was him completely being able to straighten his arm and wiggle his fingers. Gotcha. It took time. It took some blood, sweat, and tears on both our parts because you know that moment when a person achieves and they feel it and they get emotional and you get emotional, it's just like this beautiful thing that happens, you know? One thing I've had to learn to do is let myself feel. And when there's an achievement, like, and something beautiful that happens in the world, I usually cry (laughs) and I'm okay with that, you know? Um, So aneurysm recovery, heart attack recovery. I've worked with quadriplegics, you know, I've worked with people in wheelchairs. I've worked with lots of musicians with chronic pain because of overuse. Um, I've worked with people uh, to, to help them walk again. You know, one woman who I'd been working with it took about five months to get her to the point, but she's like, you know what, Maureen, I haven't walked for two years for exercise. 
you know, cause it was so painful. And she, when she had that moment of like, wow, I walked like a quarter mile for the first time without pain. This is the kind of stuff that I do, but you have to treat the whole body. You have to talk to them about food. Now, I don't do a lot of blood testing and stuff like that. You know, I am in a naturopathic program, but things kind of got put on hold because of like, I just love doing body work so much. I can't help myself. Um, but my boyfriend is a functional medicine practitioner. And so he is a non-drug practitioner and he does a lot of blood testing. So most of my clients are also his clients because he gets to work on the deeper level of what's going on, like especially in the gut profile. Which I have a large understanding of just because I've been living with him and being with him for the past three and a half years. Um, I, but I have a large part. understanding too because it's stuck on me. <laughs> he's invested a lot in his gut program. I have done all I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's an interesting thing that he does. And he's really one of the only people that I know, especially in, you know, he's getting known in St. Louis as being like the poop doctor. So, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, you know, and, and I also have had to understand my personal limitations and expertise, you know, it doesn't mean I don't want to grow and learn more, but there are those moments where it's just like, you know what, I think you need a little help that goes beyond what I can do. Like, you know, I can't do um, internal work, you know, and some people really need to get their pelvic floor worked. And so I'll refer to a pelvic floor physical therapist so that they can get some internal work done. I can't do everything, you know. Sure. So um, if somebody wanted to meet you, wanted to come to you physically, I don't know if you do anything because of COVID right now, but um, how what's the, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Or, you know, do you prefer email or, or you go to the website or? Right. So, um, most of November, I'm going to be in Florida to update my teacher training. So I should say, not only do I do this hands-on ancient work and I've have probably four or 5,000 hours of hands-on experience at this point, right. um, nowhere near mastery because mastery is 30,000 hours. But um, I've, I've been teaching this work. And so I've had over 100 students in St. Louis alone take my level one class. And then I've had somewhere around 25 or 30 students take my level two class. And then I've um, had the pleasure to graduate 11 people total from the full 164 hour program. It's a big commitment. It is a big commitment. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm heading out to Arizona for the winter. Um, number one, I hate winter. Uh, number two, I think that my work is um, sorely underrepresented. And the power of the work in and of itself is, I mean, to talk, to tell you a little story about one of my students. So one of my students has been a massage therapist for years and has worked with clients. And these people, like, they just, they don't turn around to use her own words, they don't turn around. And the first time she did a level one session on her client that she had been seeing for years, it was like complete 180, like, oh my gosh, I get this now. Perfect. This work transforms so many people's understanding of their body just with touch, mm -hmm. just with the movements, you know, a full, a few pulls here and a few compressions there and a twist here and a twist there. And all of a sudden people are like, well, I didn't know my body could do that. 
I didn't know that I could do that without pain. Right. You know, oh, that really hurt. But now like my shoulder, I can move it around again. So if you were to, um, and, and Tommy, you, you do the, this too in a way, um, the meridians, the energy flow gets changed, obviously, from what you're describing. And so um, what, what Tom does, and I do a little bit of it, you know, um, for the emotional portion of the person um, is to do some physical things that help that. You, you, sometimes you have to, sometimes they do the touch and sometimes they don't. I don't know, Tom, you want to tell her a little bit about how you do that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, we can do the meridian, um, remove blocks or amp up the energy, whichever way it needs to go, usually through a tapping uh, modality, but it doesn't have to be. You know, there's many ways we can do it. Sometimes it can be done remotely. Sometimes it can be done just with the mind, kind of like we yeah. were earlier in the program. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So emotional freedom technique is one of the things that you learn in the Soma Veda program. Yep. So I do the thought field therapy, which is the original work. Yeah. It allows you to do diagnostics with people rather than just blanket treat them. So it's Excellent. a little specific and we get to do a lot of physical things, but I always tell people it's really not us fixing it. We're just clearing blockages so that the body can take care of itself. Precisely. Precisely. Because I just did, I did some EFT with, uh, with a uh, person, they were in Colorado and, you know, they were sitting in their car and we were walking through the whole EFT thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I do a, my own version of that, but it worked perfectly fine. And there was an emotional release into tears and everything. And, and boom, after that, things were just a new perspective. And it started flowing uh, for this person correctly. And they were ready to go. They go, okay, I'm good. And they've never had that experience before at all. And so I think we're all on the same page that movement of energy, you know, whether it's um, you're doing it through some tapping format or you're actually stretching an arm out. You're getting flow going. Once you get the energy flow, as we always say, there's the spirit, and then there's the emotional, mental body, and then there's the physical body. Yeah. If you start working up here, it, it's a cascading effect. It gets down to the physical body, and oh yeah, all of a sudden it, it follows. It's all connected. I mean, we can't help it. It's all connected. Um, but I just love it when you know. Uh, one of my clients, he ended up moving to Texas, sadly, so I couldn't work with him physically anymore. Um, but he was like, I'm 70 years old. I'm diabetic. I'm 50 pounds overweight. And I want to see my ch grandchildren graduate from high school. Like he put this out on Facebook. Okay. And I somehow saw this message. Right. And I was like, oh, hey, I can help you with this. <laughs> and seriously, after like I do programs, the minimum program is seven sessions, right? And we usually do it in about a two and a half week period because it gives enough time for physical recovery and integration and for habit changes. Um, and he's just like, I literally feel 20 years younger and my range of motion has never been this good. Absolutely. He's like, I can touch my toes again. And I kind of joke that like three months of doing Soma Veda programs with me is literally like three years of yoga without the huffing and puffing. <laughs> so this, um, I'll but, but anyway, to answer your other question, I am seeing people in person under the auspices of my ministry. Um, the people who I see are generally confident enough to know that their immune systems can control their health and wellness. Um, and I also teach them about that. 
And um, yeah, so I see people in person. I talked to people online yesterday. I did some EFT in person. It was more like business coaching than anything else, helping to remove some achievement blocks. It helps with everything, you know? People just need to lay down and be with themselves for a little bit. And that's what the hands-on work does. Right. It also puts a person into like a, almost like a trance hypnotic state. Yes. And that's where true healing happens is when a person just. Right, As a, I'm a master hypnotherapist. So I totally concur with that. And, and Tom had some great statistics on that where people are kind of, and I'm gonna, these are rough numbers are probably not exactly correct, but talking about people who are um, just going to a regular, um, let's say psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever. And they got to do hundreds of sessions sitting there in the Freudian two chairs and, you know, lay on the couch and we're gonna talk about things before they get maybe, you know, in the 35, 40 percentile of health. Uh, and then we talk about exposure therapy and uh, at least 24 sessions of that. And that kicks it up maybe closer to the 50 percentile but when you get into hypnotherapy less than six sessions and I only do three at the very most um, 93 plus percent success rate so if you're getting them into a trance scenario which everybody can do hypnosis I tell people have you ever drove home and not remembered the trip when you pull in the driveway well you've been hypnotized right. and so you can't hypnotize me I said you're exactly right I cannot you have to hypnotize yourself I'll, I'll help you get there and focus your mind, but I can't do it. You have to do it. You have to want to do it. Otherwise it won't happen. And like what you're saying, your people, they're finally, they're at that bottom of the pit and they're like, I need help. And they yeah. want it. So they get on the phone with you. Yeah. Like we were talking about the other day. It's, it's sad to think that the type of therapies, you know, especially Thai therapies, like people don't hear about this until they are at the end of what they can think of doing. Right. And it's usually the thing that people could really come and do first. I kind of joke, like there's this guy who contacted me. He's like, you know, I've been having this pain in my shoulder. And I'm like, oh yeah, what's going on? And he's like, well, it's kind of all in my arm too. And I'm like, well, how long have you had it? He's like two weeks. And I'm like, oh, you are so smart right. that you didn't wait four months. Right. Because undoing two weeks of a tweak is way easier than undoing four months of compensation. Right. What, what kind of luck have you had with things like maybe arthritis? So arthritis is a chronic inflammatory condition, which can flare up based on the weather, what people eat. Um, and most autoimmune conditions also have other autoimmune conditions. So a person can be arthritic and diabetic and have Hashimoto, Hashimoto's and, you know, have some kind of predecessor to MS. It really just depends on their genetics and maybe what they're eating on a regular basis. Um, if people, if people actually did what I told them to do, like if they could just take a chunk of their savings and believe that their health and, and well-being was worth it, like literally if a person had $5,000, sure. go through a program, do the testing, you know, have the, the willpower to be able to change what is going on in their body. I believe that anything can be healed, right? It takes time and effort and getting over emotional blocks, especially the one, like I'm not worth it. Right. That horrible programming that like so many children get because of an abusive parent. People are worth it, you know, and for people who don't have 
funds to take care and, and things like that. There are so many free pro like programs and information out there. Like the internet has just completely changed the way that people can move forward. And the thing is, is that I just pray that more and more people get inspired to get into health and wellness, mm -hmm. exercising and diet. Like, how is this a whole like field? You know, it's like actually the biggest, it's like the largest growing uh, economic part of the industry in, in the world. And it's, it's because like the drugs aren't working. Right. People are learning that drugs are just a band-aid. It's yeah. not making the problems go away. Yeah. It's just treating the symptoms. And that's the allopathic medicine we talk about, you know, a lot that, you know, of course they're driven by a certain matrix um, in their practice that they have to follow because of insurance companies, government rules and so forth. And so when they, people finally run through all that and, and they, you know, still call it practicing medicine, they eventually end up at your door, Tommy's door or my door. And I think we as practitioners of similar fields still need to be aware that, you know, maybe I'm not the guy for you. Maybe you need to get a hold of Maureen. Maybe she's the person for you. And we need to, as peers, we also need to be, no greediness, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Selflessness. Let's find what works best for the client and get them to the right practitioner, you know, because, you know, a lot of times I get called for uh, exorcisms. Okay. Well, there's some people even in the field that won't touch them, but you know, just, just this week, you know, we were talking about, uh, for me, it's about a once a week thing. Wow. But that's a movement of energy. Um, and you can do that remotely or you can be there in person either way, but you're moving this more low vibration energy. And I'm sure that, and we talk about this sometimes that people come into the practice and you can see or feel um, they have an attachment, yeah. a negative attachment to them. And I'm sure you have some methodology you use to remove that. I know both Tom and I, you know, use particular methodologies. There's a number of them that'll work, but I don't know if you've ever run into that. I have in the past, um, I kind of stopped doing that for a while. Um, I'm definitely good with sending people to others who have more of a sense and feeling and expertise in that um, because I don't quite know how to protect myself against that, which I know is important. Um, those energies are very important to protect yourself against. And I had a very interesting thing happen to me, um, last March, which we can talk about. I'm happy to talk about it openly. Um, but when you're talking about getting a person to the right practitioner, so this is my whole new thing. I mean, it's not mine, I didn't create it, but I am hoping that it grows and it becomes what it needs to be. Um, I will continue to do hands-on work. I will continue to be a teacher. I will continue to help people however I can. I wanna clone myself, number one, you know, and help share the teachings of Dr. Anthony James with the Soma Veda. I have to honor him because he is my main teacher, you know. Um, I've been with other Thai teachers and taken other methodologies and I have a massage license, but what I really want to do when it comes to my own teaching is start teaching sensitivity. Like, how do you teach a person's sensitivity? Like, to, to feel a person's body because when Thai begins, it's a broad compression, you know, but can your hand feel the lumps that are in there? 
what are those lumps? Where do they come from? Or do they have emotions attached to them? Do they have something else attached to them? I don't know. So, you know, we do the broad compression and then I feel where the tension, you know, tissue is supposed to be soft, not hard. You know, when you flex your muscle, then your tissue is supposed to be hard and not soft, right? But then there's all these little lumpy bumpies in there that happen. What are those lumpy bumpies? So segue, I worked on an artist the other day and it was the second time I worked on him. The first time I worked on him, we found some good lumpy bumpies and we did some emotional um, assessment. Like I pressed on the, the pain and I said, well, when was the first time you ever felt this pain? And he's like, oh, it was probably when I was like pull, throwing around this ladder or something like that, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, can you forgive that person at that age when that event happened? You know, can you just say, you know, and he said something that was relevant to him and how he felt at that moment. And it's like, the pain goes away. You know, this is a, that's a technique that I learned from a practitioner here in St. Louis named Roger Weinerth. And Roger is the, I think he's still the president of the Structural Integration Association of America. Mm -hmm. And I had an opportunity to trade with him for four years. So he really helped me integrate and re release a lot of pain from my body. Um, okay, so attachments. Okay, this is a story that only few people would know what the context is, okay? So I had this friend that I was friends with for a really long time and her boyfriend got murdered. And um, it was an accidental murder. It was a robbery gone way too wrong. And three days, and I mean, it shocked me, like to my core, because I knew that it, changed everything in an instant. And, um, you know, I, I sobbed. I mean, it was a traumatic experience for me as well because she was the woman I was closest to, okay? So three days later, I go to her apartment and we went and we took like a two hour walk, talk, 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 you know? And then we get in her apartment and I, I, I felt her partner. He was there. Mm -hmm. And something like this had happened to me only once before. Um, and I'm like, uh, Amy, there's something happening. And this happened to me once before, and I never told you about it. And she has this thing with the occult. Okay. Like, I think she's like fascinated with the occult, but I don't think she's ever experienced it. Okay. So what happened is that all of a sudden her partner came into my body. And I was weak at that point because of the shock and some other um, food sensitivity issues and healing crises that I had been going through. And there he is, he's inside of me. And I felt him and I felt his pain. And I, I, I felt and knew in that instant why he had the attitude that he did towards life in general. Because when a person feels that much pain, you know what? I wouldn't give my wallet to a person who was trying to steal it. Right. So I felt the pain. And then um, at one point to just kind of skip along because, you know, details. Um, but like I started having these heart palpitations, almost like I had two heartbeats and they weren't syncing up. And I was getting a little concerned that maybe I could 
something really bad could happen to me. So I'm like, Amy, I need to go outside. And she's like, okay. And then some weird stuff kind of happened, but then like, I finally was able to get him out of me. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, you know, and then I was also in a neighborhood where um, it was a Mexican neighborhood. So I had to drive to work <laughs> to go do a session on someone. And I'm like flipping out, you know, but not in a way that was like bad. Like I wanted to hurt myself or anybody or anything, but just like, whoa, something really intense happened. So I called the one woman I knew um, who was local to St. Louis. And we had been conversing on and off over the past couple of years that I understood she's um, a very Christ-based um, channel healer. She goes into the other places, right? Just to put it simply. And I called her, I'm like, this thing just happened, Beth, and um, I need some help and, um, and I, I need your help because <laughs> I don't know who else to call. <laughs> And so she, you know, did a little clearing on me over the phone and the attachments, you know, I could feel, I could feel them. Like she mentioned, she's like, yeah, it's this old Mexican couple that um, needed to get away from the neighborhood. They needed you to help them go to that next place. And I'm like, oh, that, that's good. Okay. I'm ready to let them go. And I could feel that. I could, she's like, yeah, they're in the back seat of your car right now. Can you feel them? I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can feel them. And so I told them, I'm like, you're free to go. You're, you're clear. You know, I have no attachment to you. I send you with love. And, um, that's that. So that was a little freaky. Yeah. You know, know? (laughs) it's interesting. I love the, I love the story because that's something I do every day. So you're perfectly normal and (laughs) you are. And, And the beauty of that is they usually only come to you if they know you have the ability to hear them, see them, feel them. Uh, so it goes to your clairvoyance ability. And since you've been trained, you were training in a lot of these arts, that heightens that clairvoyance, as you know. And so they're going to go to those people. And also um, the ones that haven't crossed over, they usually haven't crossed over. They're the things that go bump in the night with all ghosts. And um, that guy was certainly one of them. And so the reason it felt so odd to you is because such a low vibration. You've got the lower vibration and, uh, you know, for um, a medium, when we talk about mediumship, that's really what you were doing is uh, whether you wanted to or not, um, he kind of forced his way in, which sounds like he's a forceful kind of individual anyway, but he really wanted to say something uh, or get a communication out to the, to the, to the other one. And and so, you know, we were talking about mediumship and we talk about people on the other side, real high vibration, meaning the ones that have crossed through the light, they have a high vibration or, you know, people talk about angels and whatnot, but people who have a crossover, they get a low vibration. And so what you try to do, if you're earth plane medium, you try to raise your vibration and they lower theirs from the top and you meet in the middle. That's why it's called medium. Mm. And so you were actually feeling the vibrational differences, which felt like a different heartbeat, felt all buzzy and fuzzy. It's because of different vibrations. Yeah. You know, and even I tell people, you know, they always say, well, how am I going to know somebody on the other slide there? If they're energy, how am I going to see their face? And well, so one, they can manifest that look if they wish. But secondly is we all have an energy thumbprint. You uniquely us, you can know each other by your vibration. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're actually manifesting a two vibrations coming together and where he's not supposed to be, which is in you without an invitation, that's not allowed. And so that's why it was so um, challenging. But I'm glad you got, went to somebody who knew what the hell they were doing. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was really intense and it hasn't happened since then. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going to be just a matter of, of the self care, but then it's like, all of that takes so much time. And so there's these decisions that a person has to make into what realms they want to work in. Like for those people who are in the healing arts out there that are starting to feel other energies and sensitivities, like find someone who knows what they're doing. Like people ask me about grounding, like grounding is a very simple, basic thing. People ask me about, you know, feeling others energy. I can handle that, you know, but you know, I don't, I don't dare say that people come to me for expertise when it comes to mediumship or anything like that, because the couple times that it's happened, it's been, um, well, I, I let him in. I did let him in. I feel that he was there and I let him in for my friend to have some kind of closure. Unfortunately, it also terminated our friendship. Happens. Yep. That's the sad part about it. They're not ready to handle what you just delivered. Right. And if he's out of sync with her anyway, then that wouldn't surprise me any. Yeah, there's that. There's yeah. that. There's that. So it, <laughs> it does happen. But where you have, and of course, um, with Tommy and I being law enforcement, where you have trauma, you will have these issues. You know, if you've had homicides, suicides, accidents that are horrendous. Later on, people in those areas will start to feel those things that go bump in the night because somebody, you know, you go to a civil war battlefield and, you know, people are bringing in equipment and you can actually see the, the energy of the soldiers because um, we coined a term called uh, soul shock. Mm. All of a sudden you take one in the forehead, you're not ready to die. You don't think you're going to die. And all of a sudden, boom, you're out and you're out of body and you're like, no, I'm not. And so some of those, I, I use the Civil War soldiers. If you talk to them on equipment or if you can do it naturally and you ask them, you know, what year is it? And they're going to tell you 1863. Mm. And if you told them, what if I told you it was 2020? They said, well, you're crazy. You know, <laughs> what if I said you're dead? Well, no, I'm not. They don't actually know. So there's an educational process for people who try to cross folks over. And sometimes those kind of people that don't think they're dead, they're the ones that are actually trying to find somebody who can see or hear them. Mm -hmm. And when people talk about, they said, why, why would my loved one come to you all of a sudden sitting in a restaurant? And I said, well, it's really kind of like, think of a desert, you know, you're headed out to Arizona. So think of desert out there. There's nothing out there, but all of a sudden you see a telephone booth. Mm -hmm. So what do people do? They go into the telephone booth, they try to call friends and family. That's what they do what we do that's what they do too but the medium person whether conscious or not is the telephone booth. you have nothing to do with anything it's just yeah it's, it's, it's very different though i'm sure when it's something that um is anticipated or you are being sought after for help yes absolutely yeah you're you were um you know rudely interrupted on your life there even though you kind of said, well, I'd like to see what he's got to say. Well, still, if that's not what you do. And I always say, you know, just the reason that felt uncomfortable is because like attracts like, okay? Mm. So if there's bad, low vibration, somebody's um, an alcoholic, you could easily attract an alcoholic that's passed away and wants to live through your bodily experience and they get really close to you and do attachments. And I know Tom and I, we've talked about this numerous times with people's attachments. And if you get in tune enough, 
to do anything that you're doing, Maureen, eventually you're going to get in tune enough. You may be able to see those attachments. Mm -hmm. on, and then, mm -hmm. you know, okay, well, this may be somebody I need to, to pass off, you know, or maybe, you know, something I can handle, cut a cord like Reiki master would, that kind of thing, same thing. And I often tell people, because they, they all ask, well, if I'm going to learn about all this energy, what would you recommend? And I said, normally a Reiki one, a Reiki one class. I think it's a good introduction to all of this. Doesn't take that long. Um, if you got a good instructor, good, good master uh, teaching, um, I think that they will get it and they'll grasp it and go, okay, let me, I just changed the way you think about the world and about yes. our bodies and so forth. So then what you're saying makes a whole lot more sense, you know, to a person that doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking back to 2005, when I first got my Reiki attunement, that was a tumultuous time in my life on a lot of levels. Um, you know, I was like 29. So I was just coming out of my Saturn return and a really challenging time in my life where I had gotten taken advantage of financially. And looking back to those couple months of meditation and, um, you know, symbols and, you know, looking at my life and what was going to happen next and looking at people in a different way mm -hmm. as well. You know, all of a sudden I went from having like five people in my yoga class to having like 35 people in my yoga class, <laughs> you know, cause I was teaching at a gym and, you know, they're like, we love your classes. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like it's a little out of control in here. I, I wanted to limit it to like 25 and they just kept pushing more people in my classes. Um, you know, and, and looking back to the transition of energy and things of that nature, um, like I, I get what you're saying about the attachments, you know, mm -hmm. and we'll have to talk about that another time. Absolutely. Yeah, personally. So I appreciate that. Um, can I tell you guys about our, our new venture that I sort of alluded to? Okay. So it's, it's called Emergent Wellness. And Emergent Wellness is about gathering all of the healers and helping them be driven in a direction where they can meet with good advertising, marketing, uh, branding, you know, all of the businessy kind of stuff that helps them be successful, even though they don't want to spend the time to do it. Um, so you know how like people get group insurance and stuff like that, and it helps reduce the rates. Yes. So that's kind of the idea with this too. Now, some of us, of course, you know, we don't need the advertising. We know how to sell ourselves. It's no big deal. But the average person who's in the healing arts, like they're clueless with all of this. Like a massage therapist takes a business class, but an ethics class, but it doesn't really help you in here to gain the confidence to be convincing, to like get your own clientele and run your own business and be successful and have a good living and stay healthy and not burn yourself out and, and all of that. So that's the intention of Emergent Wellness. So we're starting that in St. Louis. And then one of the reasons why I'm moving to Arizona for the winter, number one, to get out of the winter, but then number two, we're um, gonna be approaching Phoenix area, Scottsdale, Tucson and Sedona. So I'm going to be spending a lot of my time traveling around Arizona, hopefully getting a lot of good healing treatments done as well while I'm out there since I'm going to get to like 
meet these wonderful people. Like I can't wait to experience their work so I can help explain to other people what they're doing as well as the why, you know, because the why is so important. Like, why do I do what I do? Why do you two both do what you do? I mean, I do what I do because honestly, when I reach that moment of the deep dark after I decided to quit my job in biotech, like my soul just cried out, I want to be a Thai yoga massage therapist. And my boyfriend at the time is like, what's that? And I'm like, well, it's this thing where you like bend and stretch people and you know, you move their energy and then they feel a lot better. And he's like, oh, well, that sounds like a very good thing to do. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so I started going back to school to train and then I went to massage school and then it just kind of progressed from there, you know? Gotcha. So this group um, that you put together, is there, if people, other healers are listening, uh, is there a contact? Is there a website or is that yet to be developed or? Oh gosh. I mean, we are so ground floor right now and we are like so worried. It's just going to explode. But if people want to contact me for emergent wellness specifically, they can reach me at Dr. M Hughes. That's D R M H U G H E S at emergentwellness.com. And that last part's just spelled like the English dictionary. Um, if people want to like approach me for individual sessions or for programs, then Maureen, M-A-U-R-E-E-N at totalharmony.com is going to be the most appropriate. And then my Google voice number is 314-325-9247. And I mostly respond to texts better than I do. And if a person can also put the context of what and why in the text that, that and that's very helpful too. Oh, and their name. Oh yeah, I saw you're teaching yoga classes. I'm like, I have no idea who you are, you know? <laughs> that's helpful, yeah. So, um, perfect, perfect. Tommy, you had any wrap up questions for Maureen as we kind of close this out? We pretty much covered everything. I wanna just thank you for coming out and sharing your experiences and being so candid about some of the a little more offbeat kind of things that you've experienced. Cause I think that's what this podcast is all about to try to let people know these things are existing and they are normal. Historically people would have that happen and they would think you're crazy. Um, yeah. Well, the most important thing is that people should not feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. You know, shame is the deepest, darkest, lowest vibration. And, um, you know, if, if people are ashamed of something that they've done or something that they've experienced, like the type of work that you do, Tom, what you do, Terry, what I do with the emotional freedom technique, I mean, it has freed me from a lot of shame. I can't go back and change the actual past and what people remember of me, but I can change my emotional attachment to what happened and ask those people for forgiveness. And that's the most important thing because we have to ask ourselves for forgiveness every single day. Right. That's, that's a point that people use and they, they, that's usually the breaking point when they actually say, I forgive myself. And usually tears follow shortly thereafter because they, their subconscious understands that they haven't been doing that. And they've held themselves accountable for stuff that it is really doesn't mean anything. And so, you know, once, once you do that, it's a breakthrough. With that. So Maureen, anything you want to wrap up with? I mean, you, you've given your information for people to get a hold of you, but is there any uh, final words that 
you want to leave the audience with that, uh, you know, words to live by, so to speak? Uh, there's always hope. Mm -hmm. There's always hope. And although things might not be going the way you think they should, what you think things should be are, that's, it's incorrect. Uh, I had a therapy session years ago. I said, it should be like this. It should be like that. And she's like, you realize you're shouldn't all over yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that comes, that kind of sounds like S-H blank T-T-I-N-G all over myself, doesn't it? And she's yeah. like, uh-huh, uh -huh. you get it. And I was like, oh. So then every time I would say the word should, it'd be like, bink, you know, like have a rubber band around you and do that aversion therapy type of thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I get to do this. And I get to do that. And I'm really willing to do this. And, oh, you need my help? Yes, I'm willing to help you in this way. No, I'm not willing to help you in that way. And it really started help to, helping to create um, a new understanding of boundaries in my life. Because as a hands-on healer and, um, well, a woman, you know, uh, there are people who might ask you to do things that you don't want to do. And it is important to say no and to have strong boundaries because um, testing boundaries can lead to shame. And like, I think if there's anything that we should avoid in life, it's, it's feeling shameful. Right. I agree. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, fantastic stuff. I mean, I think our audience, if, if they didn't get anything out of this, I'd be, it'd be amazing because uh, a lot of information and, and just knowing that there are these alternative ways to go about making yourself healthy. Uh, mm -hmm. Actions you can take, actions that there are practitioners out there who can help you make those steps. Um, you don't always have to go to the doctor and get a pill because they've only got three choices there. They're going to give you a pill, they're gonna give you a shot, or they're gonna cut you open. Yep. Pretty much it. And, and so their toolbox is limited. So I want people to understand uh, you represent a whole new toolbox of things that they need to probably at least look at and, and inquire about. And, you know, that's what this podcast is all about is the, the, the metaphysical, the unseen, um, what's out there, what can we do? And to understand that we have these different bodies, the, the spiritual, the, the emotional, mental, and, and, and then the physical. And regular medicine deals, most of them just the physical. Well, if people can't find me in Arizona this winter, either for classes or for sessions, I do plan on being back in St. Louis for a good 10 days around the end of March and early April. It's some of my favorite time in the spring and uh, it's my birthday too. So yeah. I plan on running a couple classes while I'm back in St. Louis starting around the end of March and they have my contact information. So if people wanna take a look at what I do, um, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, just Maureen Hughes, PhD. And um, yeah, hopefully some people uh, find this helpful and want to learn this work. It's, it's amazing work. Like it has completely changed my life and my body. I'm, I'm stronger than I ever was. Yeah. Well, there's, there's the endorsement right there. And I can tell you from my, my experience with Maureen, if you, anybody out there wants to go see somebody, whether it's now or next spring or want to do it remotely, she's certainly the person to do it. And there's no question about it. And uh, I would highly encourage people to get a hold of her because uh, as, as you said, she'd probably help you with about anything, but if not, she certainly has a whole network that's getting us stood up. So we'll be, have a whole bunch of people that are probably be close to your area. Although remote stuff works just as well in a lot of cases. So find the right practitioner for you and, uh, and go from there. So 
from uh, from all of us here at the uh, Metaphysical Mysteries. Uh, I want to thank Maureen for being here with us and Tom uh, co-hosting with me today and all the years in the future. <laughs> and uh, so beyond that, uh, we will be back with uh, another guest at some point here. We've got lots of stuff on the schedule and I would encourage people to go to www.themetaphysicalmysteries.com. You can pick up some archive stuff that's out there already, or you can go to YouTube and uh, punch us in and you'll probably get some of the uh, some of the archived video. So whether you're listening or you're watching, uh, feel free to do that. So for all of us here, thanks for watching and listening and I uh, appreciate it. 